and lows, a new perspective everywhere you go. Open up your mind, drown out the noise, and see if this connected. And see if this connected. What's up, fam? And welcome again to This Connected Podcast. I want to share that the mission of This Connected Podcast is to connect generations and situations about faith, life, and whatever comes along the way. To not necessarily agree, but be listened to. These conversations, of course, share the different perspectives of me and my guests. You, of course, are always welcome to agree or even disagree. But as always, we hope that it is done with charity. I'm Catholic.Dad former youth minister, permanent husband and father. Welcome to This Connected. And folks, we have two wonderful men joining us today to talk about something that I really adore, really, really want to know more about. And they're here to share what that is and maybe give us a little bit more information, um, that mystery, that mystery of what it is. And I am not even going to share with you what that is because I'm going to let these guys talk about it. So guys, I'm going to introduce to you Johnny Mendez and Jesus Jacobo. And guys, what are we here about? What are we going to talk about? So we're going to talk about how we should just disown Vatican II <laughs> and just turn the clock back and... No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're talking about the Latin Mass and Basically, how we got there—the Latin Mass, right? And it's now considered uh, what's the the proper name for it is the Mass in extraordinary form. The extraordinary yep, form. Now, what 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 does it mean? The extraordinary form. You know, a lot a lot of our listeners here, you know, with with quite a a, a trickle or two um, of of people have never ever gone to the extraordinary form, or what we typically call the Latin Mass. Um, tell us, why is it better to call it the extraordinary form instead of the Latin Mass? Good question. Well, the term was corn phrase by, um, you know, our beloved and late Pope, uh, Pope Benedict XVI, called the extraordinary form. Mostly because, well, it's extraordinary. It means it's not done often. Although he wanted to do it more often, he he wanted to open the gates and allow more priests to do it. In fact, um, my brother-in-law, uh, Father Gino, I'm not sure if that rings a bell, but um, he just did his first Latin Mass just two weeks ago, I believe. So, you know, prior to 2007, you had to get permission from the bishop. And you had to, you know, jump a lot of hoops and mm-hmm. even just to get it. But now it's more widely available, you know, glory to God. Yeah. And, and this comes from uh, the Mori Proprio, uh, Summerum Pontificum, that, that uh, Pope Benedict published. And this is a document that took uh, several years to, to be released. But Pope Benedict waited for the appropriate moment for, for it to be released. And basically... This was just a way for the church to reconcile with its past because um, he wanted to make sure that the, the, the mass in extraordinary form 
he wanted to make it clear that the Mass and Extraordinary Form was never abrogated and it remains valid in our Roman Rite because it's the extraordinary form of our Roman Rite. And the Mass that we attend to, that most Catholics attend to, uh, which is referred as the New Mass, the Novus Ordo, that's called the ordinary form. And that's where he, in, in that same Morde Proprio, that's where he explained that, uh, the difference between the ordinary form and the extraordinary form. So it was this way to reconcile, for Catholics to reconcile with the past, with their past. Because what was once sacred, what was sacred to one generation can no longer be, cannot not be um, sacred for this generation. Mm -hmm. So... I don't know if you can talk a little bit more about Samarum Pontificum or I, did I summarize most of it, Johnny? I think he did it. I think he did it. <laughs> let, let me rewind back because I am so bad at this. I, I never allow my guests to introduce themselves and <laughs> to introduce themselves and tell our tell our listeners who they are. And our listeners are probably going to say, okay, they went into this, but who's Johnny and who's Jesus? Let's start with Jesus. Jesus, who are you? And what, what are you about? And why are you so passionate about, you know, the extraordinary form? I mean, what, what do you do? Do you do anything of the church? Do you serve at the church? Um, what's your passion? I, uh, yeah, my name's Jesus. Uh, my local parish and where I do a lot of my uh, volunteering is Immaculate Conception in Colton, California. Uh, but every Sunday, me and my fiance attend the Latin Mass at San Secondo di Asti in Guasti. Um, and I'm currently vaccinated, <laughs> infected, and quarantined. So if, if you can tell from my tone of my voice, uh, that's why. Uh, the reason why we love the Latin Mass, I think, is there's a, we can explain it. And I could probably explain it. We could probably explain it throughout the, the podcast. But most importantly, I think the most important part is that's where that's the Mass that me and my fiance uh, felt drawn into. Awesome. You're also a Knight of Columbus, I see. Correct. Ah, Viva Jesus. <laughs> How about you, Johnny? Well, how much do you want to know? <laughs> we, you know, we, you know, um, listeners want to know all. <laughs> oh, once upon a time, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, actually, I'm a, I'm a revert to the faith. Um, so, basically, you know, I'm cradle Catholic. Did, you know, of course, got baptized as a little babe. Then did the first communion when I was like, what, nine, 10, or 11? I don't know. I was young. And then I just fell away from the church. Um, I would literally only go maybe Ash Wednesday, Palm Sunday, and the Feast of Our Lady Guadalupe. And I did that for many years, up until 2009, when... Um, Let's just say I almost died. <laughs> and um, I just knew I wasn't living the right lifestyle. Um, I was in a rock band. I had long hair, living the rock star party lifestyle, all that. And it was all taken from me because basically every time I would play a rock show, I would end up in the ER. And it scared me. 
and honestly kind of scarred me a little bit. And so I'm like, okay, well, music is basically my God. And here, you know, I'm remembering my childhood and specifically my first communion of my first encounter with Christ, you know, in the Eucharist. And I don't know, my, my heart just took me there and I knew I had to get right with God. So fast forward to, you know, 2010, that summer, I went to a, a charismatic conference out in Bakersfield, since that's where I, I used to live. And I just felt the Holy Spirit, there's something like electricity, something just moving me. And so I got involved with the charismatic renewal for a long time. And, um, but at my home parish in Bakersfield, we had just gotten a new pastor. And if you remember in 2011, when we had the new translation of the English mass Mm -hmm. and a lot of people were like, what? (laughs) For me, it was actually welcome because I would go to Spanish mass all the time. And then when I would go to, you know, the English mass, it just like, right. Like it just didn't make sense. (laughs) So finally with the new mass translations, it finally made sense. Um, But what my pastor, who was also my confessor at the time and my spiritual director, he wanted to implement a little bit of Latin. And I remember I hated it. I'm like, no, I don't like it. <laughs> Not the least bit. Because <laughs> I'm worship leader Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> I have my guitar. <laughs> yeah, I play guitar. I lead worship. I'm a youth minister. I can't know. You're going to push people away from the mass. And... <sighs> but I did it out of obedience. And... Um, so I got introduced to the Latin Mass, but still no Risotto, you know, so it was still, you know, the new Mass. So let's fast forward to 2016. Um, I moved down to L.A. Well, I moved down to L.A. in 2014. And um, anyways, in 2016, um, basically, I just had a really bad breakup. And so I was looking for a new parish. So I ended up going to uh, American Martyrs in Manhattan Beach. And I really liked it because I had a wonderful praise and worship band that played for the five o'clock mass. And I just loved it. So I'm like, okay, I have to join, you know. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to be an electric guitar player. And I'm going to sing. And I'm going to, you know, the whole nine yards, right? (laughs) Worship leader Johnny in full mode. (laughs) And... um, so what happened right after one of the masses, um, he had this lady who had a stand and I forgot exactly what she was doing, but, you know, I talked to her and, um, she told me that she was involved with, uh, a Marian ministry that I was familiar with that I used to be a part of. And I'm like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And then she's like, Oh, by the way, um, we do, uh, a Latin mass every, I think like third Sunday. And I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah. I, I've been to Latin mass. Like, no, no, no. This is like the old Latin mass. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you're talking about. Little did I know <laughs> what she was talking about. She was talking about the old Latin mass. 
And um, so I went, I sang with them because I told her that I was part of the choir, you know, the, the praise and worship choir. And I told her that I didn't know some Latin, but this was different. They introduced polyphony uh, along with chant. And for those who don't know polyphony, it's basically chant in, on steroids, as I call it. Um, You're going to have to give us an example of that. <laughs> <laughs> let me just get, let me just multiply myself three times. <laughs> but basically, think of it like when you hear movies and, you know, they open up the, the windows and then you're like, oh, except you hear multiple voices, not just mm-hmm. one voice. Um, it's more or less polyphony. There's a lot of voices, essentially chanting, but multiple voices going at different mm-hmm. pitches, at different tempos. And it sounds celestial. I mean, it's beautiful. Voices beautiful. of angels. Amen to that. And um, so this choir, though, it was, it was still simple. Um, you know, it was a lot of beginner people. And, um, so anyway, so I, I was singing with them every Sunday or not every Sunday, but you know, every month. And so anyways, let's fast forward to 2018. Um, my wife, well, at that time she was my fiance. We went to La Brea Tarpets out in LA and, um, we're like, shoot, we haven't gone to mass. And, um, so, and it was getting late. So I'm like, okay, where are we going to go to Mass? Where are we going to go to Mass? So I'm like, okay, oh, um, we see that uh, there's a parish in Hollywood, and they have Mass at 7. So I'm like, cool, this gives us time so that we can eat, we can fast for an hour, and we can go there. Little did we know that it was actually the FSSP, which is the Fraternity of St. Peter. Uh, and for those who don't know who they are, basically those priests specifically specialize with the traditional Latin Mass. That's their charism. Mm-hmm. And um, so we go there, and I was just blown away because they had a, I wouldn't say a professional choir per se, but the music director is phenomenal. And he knew how to really coach and instruct that choir. And I was just like, whoa, wow. This is this is different because you know I'm used to you know praise and worship music. I'm used to you know that you know I was worship leader Johnny, and so I had heard some arguments on social media because I was very active on social media, especially on Twitter. A lot of people like you know talking about the traditional Latin mass and all that and. Some people saying how it's better and what yada yada yada, but I never understood why they would say that. I was like, you know, stop being holier than thou, and you know that kind of mentality just really turned me off. Anyways, um, but I saw a mystery that I didn't quite see at the ordinary form, even the ordinary form in Latin. Mm-hmm. It was this it was different, it was special. There's a mystery that I was just really, really captivated by it. And um, I, I was told by a bunch of people, read the documents of Vatican II. Um, 
and I did. You know, specifically, I read the one on the liturgy. And, you know, I started reading it, and I'm like, wait a second. We're not, we're not doing that, <laughs> you know. The faith world is supposed to know the Latin parts, the ordinary, you know, like the Agnus Dei uh, or the Holy, Holy, like Santus, Santus. Um, we're supposed to know that. And, you know, they how they talk about the organ being, you know, the basically the instrument of the church, the main instrument of the church. And that chant is the is supposed to take pride of place. You know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. I was reading quotes and in the end, just you know, read a little bit of kind of what took place after Vatican II and how the new mass took place. And I'm like, uh. <laughs> um, so the more I read, the more I'm like, my conviction grew to, you know, continue to go to the Latin mass. And, and by all means, I want to kind of stop here. In no way want to say that the ordinary form is bad. Or that it's evil, or that the crisis not there, because there will be some people that say that, and it really troubles my heart when they say that. Because, especially considering, again, I mentioned earlier that I had a personal encounter with Christ at my first Eucharist, at my first communion, mm-hmm. and that was ordinary form. And when I reverted, and then going back to that same parish where I did my first communion, I remember I wept because. I felt like the prodigal son. So by any means, I'm not saying that, you know, at the ordinary form is bad, but what I do want to say and encourage people is check out the extraordinary form because there is something special. Mm-hmm. There's something that's very unique, something that, that, something that we lost, you know, I likened it to, um, how can I put it? You know, I'm Hispanic, I'm Mexican, and I'm very proud of my Mexican roots, you know, and I want to translate that, you know, to my future children and moving forth. So it's kind of like if I just completely drop my Mexican roots and then, and then I just, you know, oh, I'm American, not to say that I'm not, but, you know, I just don't speak Spanish, don't do any of that stuff, you know, that would be kind of sad, so. For me, I kind of like almost view it where we kind of dropped dropped off our our roots, you know, because the traditional Latin mass goes way back, way back to the third century, you know. In fact, we have missiles that are almost very, very close to what we have in the the Trinity mass, the Latin traditional Latin mass. But anyways. Yeah, I, I love your story, and, and I love what, what you said there. And, and when you spoke of what Vatican II, Vatican II, and what people don't realize is Vatican II never said to 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 just only have the ordinary form. It never cited that the extraordinary form or the Latin Mass or the Tridentine Mass should never exist again. You know, it never said that. And, and, and you know, it it... it um, kind of bothers me that you know, as growing up, I missed all of that. And although you know, you know, it, it was never available, you know. Um, and the first time that that uh, it was revealed to me about the the extraordinary form of the mass or the Latin mass, 
was actually the SSPX. You know, it's, it's kind of like, and it was controversy. It was controversy uh, that, that, you know, and the, the discussions that were happening at the time is that, that the Latin mass was disobedient because of the SSPX. And I think people tied disobedience because of what was happening with SSPX to the extraordinary form of the mass. And I think that's why people really strayed from it. But I also want to want to point out that one of the things that you said was you were you were you were you were Johnny the worship leader. You're Johnny the praise and worship leader. And and sometimes one of those things is I love I love going to to conferences where there's just awesome worship leaders. But that's not the mass. That's an exactly. awesome conference where I need Johnny the worship leader. But <laughs> but when when you have that at a, at a, at an ordinary mass and you know sometimes I cringe because it's all about the worship leaders and they're relegated and Jesus is relegated to the side and every and and if you've ever served up front you know and, and you know sitting on the side way in the front and you could see the the congregation and the most awesome worship leaders are there you know at my church there was a 5 p.m. spanish mass and when when um the the choir is a, is is a mariachi group <laughs> It's literally, I mean, they're amazing. They're amazing. And, and, and when you turn, when you look at the congregation, no one is looking at the Lord. Everyone is focused on the worship group. And everyone's looking, and everyone's tapping their toes, everyone's nodding their head, everyone's clapping their hands along, but no one's focused on the Eucharist. They're just focused. Yeah, and, I, and I think uh, that's... Probably one you, you highlighted highlighted something important that we don't know what we're gonna get when we go to mass. <laughs> if you go to mass in Colton, or if you go to mass in Riverside, or if you go to mass in Redlands, or whatever city you go to, you don't know what you're gonna get. Yeah. Um, it, because it depends on the choir and depends on who's coordinating for that mass. Yep. Uh, I think that's. I, I just think. Yeah, I just think that sometimes when we go to. To somewhere where we're looking at at, at that awesome choir and, and orange form. Sometimes we we get lost, and sometimes I see it as the songs and and the praise and worship music is pointed towards us. It's for yeah. entertaining us. It's for making sure that we feel good. And yeah. in the extraordinary form, as you were saying, it's not directed towards us. It's all directed towards God. God. I'm singing towards God, you know, and, and you know, it, it makes me cringe when some of the the parish and 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 the churches now puts the choir right at the front, and they're almost, you know, there are some churches where they they hold more place than Christ. That that there's the choir. There's the altar, and you're looking. It's like, where's the tabernacle? They're yeah, not the even corner. the tabernacle's not even on the it's altar. The <laughs> tabernacle's yeah. not even on the altar, but the choir is. Yeah. So, 
I had to wrestle with that a lot. I didn't mention that in my little testimony, if you will. But I wrestled with that. That's why I had to look at the you know documents of Vatican II because I really wanted to hang on to my guitar. You know, I I honestly did. I because you know, I mean the word psalm itself means to pluck a string, you know, because you know David played the harp. The word guitar actually goes literally means harp. It, it comes from the guitar comes from the, the, the Spanish word guitarra, which comes from the Latin word, uh, the, the Latin word, uh, I think it's citara, I think if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Not, and, you know, that's the translated uh, version of, you know, the, the Hebrew. So I, I really wrestled with that. Um, but what did it for me is this one video by this one uh, YouTuber. His name is Brian Holdsworth. I don't know if that rings a bell. But anyways, he, he did a video. I forgot the exact title. But what he did is he was basically demonstrating the, the music that goes on at Mass in most parishes. And, you know, we as Catholics, we say, oh, the sacrifice of the Mass, right? And um, so he's like, okay, let me play a scene from the Passion of Christ. So he played the Last Supper scene. And, and, he, and so he put two different movies, or two different, uh, not movies, I'm sorry, music. So he put a chant music underneath. And then the second time, he put your typical praise and worship music. And boy, they did change the mood as you were seeing the, the you know, the passion. So I took it upon myself because I'm like, okay, okay, okay. Let me actually put this to the test. So because a lot of people were like, okay, well, no, it's more about the lyrics. You know, what, what is the song saying? I'm like, okay, well, if you look at a very popular song that you hear on most parishes, uh, One Bread, One Body. Biblically, it's actually pretty accurate you know it's literally citing first corinthians you know um chapter 12 and chapter 14 you know that's what citing more or less so i decided to make my own version of it with run red one body and then i did another version with palestrina and then i showed this to jesus and i remember like his mind is just like and mine was like, because you look at the same video, and it's like, when you see with chant or polyphony, it's like time slows down. And then when you look at it with one bread, one body, or or I even did it with a Spanish song. Uh, um, the Spanish song is Te Lavaré, which is a very joyful song. Te Lavaré, Lavaré. You know, I really like that song. But it so, was so out of place at the Last Supper scene of the of the Passion of Christ, and um, yeah, and, and that that was like the nail in the coffin for me. I'm like, I can't play guitar at mass anymore. Yeah. 
it, if I really truly believe that it's the sacrifice that it's our Lord, it's that we're transported back to Calvary, you know, transported back to the Last Supper, which again points to Calvary. I can't play. I just can't. So, so do you think? But, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I'll let you ask because I think we well, might. Well, do, do, you, do, do you think that that um, that sometimes you know when you're playing it makes you feel good? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, but I, was uh, it was it? Because I I see this a lot, and 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 you're right, Jesus. You know, going to mass and depending on the church or depending on the time of the choir, or even depending on on whether it's it's a English mass or a Spanish mass or a Filipino mass. You know, it's a crapshoot on what you're going to get. And um, uh, so, do do you sometimes feel that that in the ordinary form of the mass, there is a lack of reverence? Oh yeah, especially when I saw the traditional form uh, on just how, I mean, the, the priest, after, as soon as he consecrates the host, he holds his index and his thumb together throughout the whole mass until communion is served. And then they, then um, he keeps it like that. Like literally he's turning the pages, he's holding the chalice like, mm-hmm. like this. Um, and, he does that because he doesn't want even the least speck of our Lord falling on the ground. When you take the Eucharist, you have to take it in the tongue. There is no communion at hand. And you kneel. Now, there's a bishop, um, Athanasius Snyder. He's an auxiliary bishop, well-known in the traditional world. You know, he was saying you know, regarding, you know, taking communion in, in the tongue and, you know, why we shouldn't take it in the, in the hand. And I'm not saying that, that if you do take it in the hand, it's evil. I'm not saying that at all. But one thing that I, that he said, though, that, um, you know, when you go to the cafeteria, and this is back in the day, you know, they would hand the little kids candy and they would have to hold their hand out like that. Like, here you go. Here's one candy for you. Here's one candy for you. So we're not, we're not like that. And another thing that he said is we don't, no one receives, no one like hands you or, 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 or I guess feeds you like food, unless you're a, a baby or, you know, couples will do that, you know, kind of like to be cute, but you know, imagine if you were to go to a restaurant and you were to kneel and they were to give you cake, <laughs> you know, and feed it to you. That's awkward, right? But it's not awkward with our Lord because, you know, it, it, when you look at, you know, Philippians chapter two, you know, talks about how every knee on heaven and, and on earth and under the earth will bow at the name of Jesus and confess that, you know, that he's God, that he's our Lord and Savior. So we do that at Mass, at least at this particular Mass, because we're not worthy to receive him. 
And um, unfortunately, that's lost. Now, it's not to say that you can't do it, because it can be done in the ordinary form, but unfortunately. I want to add to that, maybe. And, yeah, I think, to answer your question, Arnau, I think the nervous order or mass in ordinary form could lack reverence. But that's not to say that all ordinary form masses <clears throat> lack reverence. If you go to the mass with the Narbatines at St. Michael's Abbey, they celebrate the, the ordinary form so beautifully. Mm-hmm. But I think something to highlight, people who attend the latter mass won't stop talking about the mass. I think that's beautiful, something beautiful. We we are so in love with, you know, the gift that God gave us that we can, can continually just talk about it and talk about it. And I could speak on my behalf that <clears throat> since I've been going to Latin Mass, every time I go to the ordinary form, I see it Something so differently lacking. and so solemn. And so I I rediscovered that reverence that is in there between all the other stuff that goes on. But you see the prayers and you're like, whoa, that's what the priest says in Latin at the Latin Mass. And it, it gives you this, this love for the mass that you grew up with. And so I think that's one beautiful thing uh, from, from my experience of, of attending Atlanta Mass. I've, I've grown to, 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 to see the reverence and be more reverent when I go to the ordinary form. Yeah, that actually answers the question that I was going to ask. <laughs> the, the one question I have written down, you guys have basically answered. My question was, what do you get from the Latin Mass that you don't, that you can't get from the Novus Ordo? Hmm. Go. I'll let Jesus go. Definitely the 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 beauty of of the sacred music, but also the structure that is presented, well, that is the way the Mass is celebrated. And like I said, you go in there and you, you're you not expecting surprises. You're not going to see like a special announcement or a special, special something. You know what you're going to get. So you go in there in a prayerful, in a prayerful mode and you leave in a prayerful mode because, you know, that's what God told us. <clears throat> the Sabbath is a day of rest. So, um, yeah, that's my answer to that. Okay. I guess, well, just to rephrase, what, don't, what are you missing from the ordinary? Yeah, what, what do you get from the Latin Mass that you don't get from the Novus Ordo? Well, there are extra prayers that are said, um, where in some cases, and I want to make sure I word this properly, you do get extra graces that you wouldn't otherwise. Because whatever you pray for, that's what you get. You know. At the same time, the heart has to be disposed to it. So there's, you know, it's a both-and effect. But because the Eucharist is treated so delicately, you get a greater sense of the true presence of Christ. Because, again, the communion is done kneeling on the tongue. Only the priest, there are no extraordinary ministers. Um, the priest, or if there's a deacon, 
So ordained ministers can only touch the host. And, you know, they're, 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 you have the, the rail, the communion rail, which, you know, divides the, the altar from the congregation. And if you know scripture well, it's, it's almost like the, the actual Jewish temple. Mm-hmm. It's a holy of holies. You know, amen to that. And only the priest can enter, you know. And we're and, also for we're also forgetting <clears throat> at Orientum, it's uh, facing Orientum. to the east. Yeah. So the worship is 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 facing to the east, which is called at Orientum, yep. <clears throat> which uh, <clears throat> does explains why the church is set up a specific way, why it's more centered mm-hmm. towards the Lord. <clears throat> Most cases, uh, if you go to, uh, for example, in my parish in, in Colton. Everything is spread out. The altar is not centered. It's kind of set to the side. The tabernacle is put in the corner. Um, and this was, I think it was a push for, towards saying that everything was equal. Everything in the mass was equal. But if, if the difference in the extraordinary form is that everything is still structured and focused on Christ, which is in the tabernacle. And and the priest celebrating our orientum is uh, another another difference, big difference from the ordinary form and extraordinary form. Yeah. Sorry, Johnny, if I yeah. See, no. I, I I grew up. I grew hey. up. You know, I'm I'm way older than you guys, so I remember being. You know, I had my first communion in the '70s, and I remember receiving first communion kneeling, and I remember mm-hmm. um, communion rails and only the priest. And um, I remember that uh, I remember getting smacked by a nun. When I raised my hands like this, and um, and her explaining to me that this is your proper posture, and um, and I explained to my children the reason why I went, you know, it, when everywhere you go, everyone's lifting their hands up like the priest, and someone asked me why why I don't do that. I said I I got smacked by a ruler. <laughs> and uh, it still traumatizes me to this day. And if I do that, I'm always afraid that sister is going to smack me um, for not doing the proper form. Um, but my experience, actually accidental with with the with the Latin rite, um, was on my way to work. When that time I worked in in uh, Pomona and Diamond Bar, and I found that there was a church that had mass early in the morning, just in time so that I can go to Mass in the morning and then head off to work. And that was San Secondo in in, um, in Guasti. And I stopped in there and was like, oh, there's not very many cars. Uh, it's, uh, I said, oh, looks like a, a little chapel. And I go in, and of course, when you, when you, anyone who's ever been there, um, it's very reverent, you know, and everybody... You know, first first thing you see is all the women have veils on. And there's like loner veils in the corner, just in case you forgot yours. And all the men were well-dressed. And this was a daily mass. This was a daily mass. And I go there and, and there was this, there's confessions. I'm like, what? there's confessions um, every day. And I go there and, and I say, oh, that's, that's an odd altar. Because you're used to the altar in the middle, and and then it begins with a bell. 
And, you know, and, and what struck me was what I remembered growing up. Altar servers who were altar servers. They weren't decorations. They were altar servers. And I, I, my first experience was I sat there watching and listening and participated just by standing and kneeling because I absolutely did not know, you know, what they were saying. You know, you know the routine of the Mass. You can understand it, that this is what's happening. But to me, there was just a mystery about it. And I was just amazed at watching Father Mark's, you know, God rest his soul, uh, the most wonderful confessor ever. Uh, I I could swear that he knew who you were and read your mind and knew what your last confession was because he was just so good. I'm like, are you peeking through this this window? <laughs> but, but you know, it, it was there was a mystery. There was there was this beauty, and and the kneeling, and the standing, and all everything that was going on. There was a story being told, and I was there to simply be humbled and. And worship, you know, I didn't need to be seen, you know, um, and and I think that's that's what's hard for for a lot of people because we've been trained that I need to participate in every single little detail of the mass, you know. So my question here is, what if I don't know how to participate? Right. I, you know, no one tells you here's the red book, and even even if you follow the red book, you're lost. <laughs> well, how can I put it? <clears throat> Where, as you were saying, it it humbles you because you don't know Latin. None of us really do, unless we go to school for it. Um, or we invest time to learn it. And I have invested some time to learn some of it. Um, I'm not fluent by any means. I know a little bit, but, you know, for me, of course, I just followed along. And then you just remember, it's not about you. And it's really all about God. You know, and in some ways, because I was, you know, worship leader, it was kind of freeing because, you know, when I would select the songs and everything, you know, I wanted it to be in accord with the scriptures that were being read that Sunday. I wanted it to emotionally connect with people. You know, I wanted to move hearts. and. I didn't have to worry about that because it wasn't I who was doing that, but really God. It was the Holy Spirit. But 
you know, it really reminded me of, you know, this the story you know, found in First Kings chapter 19 about Isaiah, how he was, he was so desperate and trying to listen to God and he didn't find him in the earthquake and the fire and the wind or anything like that, but instead found him in the small, still voice. And that's basically what, you know, the traditional Latin mass is. You find God in the, that small, still voice. And especially living in this, like, really loud world, we need more silence. A lot more of it. Now, when I used to do youth ministry, you know, I would always bring my core team and peer leaders to that Saturday Latin Mass that I'd go to on that first Saturday. And I remember the question says, you know, that's so early. <laughs> and then the next one is, what, we have to get dressed? And then <laughs> the third question is, we have to wear a veil. <laughs> and the beautiful thing of that is when you see them, you know, when you go to the to that 6.30 a.m. Mass and, and you didn't take them, but you see them and they're still going, you're like, what are you doing here? <laughs> you know, right. it, it's like the things like, I only went to introduce you once. I didn't actually think you were going to continue to come. You know, to the point that, that some of them, you know, like um, um, constantly go, that's where they go. Uh, that's where they had their child baptized. Um, they've fallen in love with Christ. And again, just like you, Johnny, they're worship leaders. So, you know, it's kind of like that thing. How do you reconcile that? Yeah. Because I, I, I do need to say that sometimes in, in the ordinary form of the Mass, um, especially in what we call some of the hippie churches, um, it, it focuses so much on us. It's so much focus on, on me. You know, what am I going to get out of this? Uh, I, I hear this a lot from people who go to, to, to Mass. Um, I didn't like that church because the choir sucked. Like, did you get Jesus? Like, I didn't like that church because it didn't have kneelers. Or I didn't like that church because uh, of something material. Um, and, and it's, and I think because um, for me, I just think sometimes where we've strayed is we've chosen to to focus on the people instead of put the focus back on God. Um, yeah. And I think that's why so many young people are so attracted to the Latin Mass, is so attracted to the extraordinary form. It's because all these young people have their whole lives, everything was focused on them. And they want to be able to focus on someone else you know god and that's that's just my my explanation on why so many young people are attracted to the extraordinary form it's because their lives have been self-centered me as a parent have always centered everything on my children that you know they're realizing well it's not about me 
It's about God, and I'm here to worship, and not to be worshipped. So, I mean, that's the first time I hear that. That's a really good. Yeah. Good point. Good point. Yeah. Now, now I I wanted to mention that you you said you would go to the six thirty a.m., which means you were going to low masses. Yeah. Maybe we could talk about this too. The difference between a low mass and a high mass. Yeah. yeah. Some people. Because there is um, quite a difference. Tell us about a high mass because. There is quite a difference. You know, a low mass, you know, the reason why it's only 30 minutes or less is there's no chanting. There's no music. It's straight out. You know, it, it's just, um, I think that's that's why, you know, I love that. Um, I love the silence. Uh, I, I love the fact that sometimes even the lights aren't on, <laughs> except for the <laughs> altar. You go in there, it's like, uh, the door was open. <laughs> yeah, so... Jesus, you want me to go for it or you want to go for it? I'll go for it, Johnny. I think you might know a little bit more insight. <laughs> so high mass so it comes from Latin, misa cantada, or, uh, well, saying it like Spanish, <laughs> but it is sung mass. So everything is chanted for the most part, uh, save the Eucharistic prayer. Um, so the priest will chant all the readings, um, He'll, he'll do he'll chant the, the Our Father in Latin, of course. And um, he'll chant the preface. And, and then, of course, when it actually gets to the consecration, he won't, he won't, uh, won't chant. He'll actually you know, be quiet and just whisper the, con- the prayer of consecration. And then the choir sings all the ordinary of the Mass. So they'll sing the Kyrie on the glory the song through Zagay. Um, and of course, you know, your your opening hymn, your offertory, and your recessional. So it's a lot of singing. Um, in low mass, though, there's no singing whatsoever. Although you might have an entrance hymn, if you have a choir, you might have an entrance hymn, maybe, possibly. That, that'll vary from church to church. Um, you might even have a little bit of organ, but even that, you won't really have any singing. And the priest does not chant the readings. He'll just say it, speak it. And yeah, I mean, especially during consecration, because the choir... So typically, let me kind of backtrack. So typically, in, during the consecration at a high mass, usually the choir is actually singing the Sanctus and the Benedictus. So meanwhile, the priest is actually consecrating, you know, the host and, you know, the wine. But in the low mass, you can literally hear a pin drop. Mm-hmm. That's how quiet it is. Mm-hmm. And it's dead silence. And for some, it can be, it can be really weird. But that's where God meets us. Yep. That's honestly, that's where God meets us. And as I mentioned earlier, we live in such a noisy world that we, we, we need the silence. And, and and I think that's why it's attracting so many youth. You know, um, no, I'm kind of going to go off on a little bit of a tangent, but also what I've noticed is 
that when you go to Latin Mass, they also challenge you more. The preaching is a little bit different. Because when you go on the regular Sunday to your standard Norma Soto, usually, and, I, and I'm being very general. <laughs> yeah. But you, usually you're going to hear, God loves you, God forgives you. And then that's pretty much the homily every Sunday. And again, I'm being very extremely general because there are some wonderful, you know, uh, homilists that uh, preach some wonderful sermons. But even then, it's not like what you were hearing in the Latin Mass. In the Latin Mass, they will challenge you. And what I mean by challenge you is they'll really pick out the root of sin. Okay, if, if it's lust, you know, if it's pride, they'll tell you humility. If it's lust, they'll, they'll tell you chastity. You know, they'll really go at the root and they'll tell you, you know, these are the three theological, uh, you know, uh, virtues, faith, hope, and charity, or love, if you will. These are the seven deadly sins, you know, but here are the seven virtues to overcome those sins. You know, here are, are the 12 fruits of the Holy Spirit, you know, along with the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. You get really catechized. In fact, the readings are meant to basically give you the whole catechism in a whole year. Mm -hmm. So there'll be a theme. Just well, the ordinary form, of course, has a theme, but it kind of it's kind of all over the place, unfortunately. Whereas with the extraordinary form, it's very intentional. Where you're every year you're gonna touch upon every bit of the catechism. So you just really learn more. You really do. Now, sometimes you do get a priest that unfortunately is not the best preacher in the world. <laughs> but that's very far from in between. Usually you're going to get a really good homily and it's going to challenge you in a good way. I'm not, don't think of it like, Oh, I'm going to go to hell. I'm going to go to hell. I'm going to go to hell. They're going to be like, it's more like, okay, I'm going to go to hell, but there's hope for me. <laughs> you know, the, I changed my ways. I'm glad you said that because, because sometimes what, what we do remember um, in the past, uh, we're really short homilies that were fire and brimstone, you're going to go to hell. Um, right. and, and in a way, um, and that was true for me, um, I had some really older priests. Uh, I'm Filipino, so um, you know, the Filipino priests that were just, you know, the old priests, it's like two-minute homilies, you know, do this or you're going to go to hell. Um, and you're like, but I'm 10. <laughs> Uh, so I'm glad you said that, that there are, there are differences. There are some that are really good, but the, the point of the matter is that, that, um, what I love about the, the traditional Latin mass or the extraordinary form is the fact that, as you said, I'm humbled. The fact that I'm, I'm in the presence of my God of our God, that I get to be here. I get to be here. 
And I love that fact that that um, there are communion rails, that there is the Holy of Holies. You know, as as I always tell my confirmation class in the Catholic Church, there's only a section of it that is the sanctuary, and that is where the altar is. That's the sanctuary. Everything else is just the church. And there's only certain people who are allowed in that sanctuary. And sometimes when we see the the churches that only has Novus Ordo, then everybody is all over that altar. You know, it's like a freeway up there. There's no reverence. There's no respect. Everybody's up there. Um, and it, it's you wonder why there's a lack of reverence. Um, yeah, and, and there's something to be said. Um, reverence is important because it reinforces our belief in the true presence. Because it's not given out, like I said earlier, like candy. You know, it's not like a little cracker or what have you. I've heard a bunch of different sayings of the Eucharist. And it really, really, like, in all the actions, because they're so oriented towards Christ, you're, you're really like, oh, wow, that little host is treated like, like, really, really special. Like, it's just, wow. So it really reinforces the true presence. And, you know, who was it? Not last year. It was 2019. It feels weird saying that two years ago. (laughs) 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 Because it feels like 20. (laughs) 2020 is never ending. (laughs) But, um, you know, there there was, so the summer of 2019, there's a very discouraging survey that was posted that only, I believe it was like 28% or 19%. I don't remember, but it was less than one third of Catholics believe in a true presence. Mm-hmm. And that's very alarming because essentially, you know, Vatican II said that the Eucharist is the source and summit of the Christian life. But it's, Everything that we do in the mass, if it's not reinforcing it, then it's taken away. It's not. It's you're you're not giving importance to Christ. So, where do you think we failed? Well, you want to open up that can of worms? (laughs) Maybe in a part two, but in one aspect, (laughs) in one aspect, where do you think is the highest place? where we actually fail. I mean, there's a lot of things that we need to correct. Um, and But in, in one thing, if you could say one thing that we could do now as, uh, as faithful Catholics, then we can even introduce in the ordinary form, what would that be? Now, it's going to sound extremely controversial to some, but communion in the tongue has, or communion in the hand has to stop. And only communion in the tongue. And to add to it, sorry, if you let me, no Eucharistic ministers, only ordained ministers. So the priest and the deacon can touch the host. So no 
no no extraordinary ministers of holy communion. Yeah, that that was one of my pet peeves. Yeah, that was my my, one of my biggest pet peeves. It was like everybody was being called the Eucharistic minister. It's like no, you're extra. You're you're (laughs) extra, or you're you're extra. Um, It's only the priest or the deacon who are Eucharistic ministers. Um, Yeah, and that's gonna. You'll be surprised how it's going to really reinforce the true presence of Christ in the Eucharist. Because, I mean, there's no greater gift this side of heaven than the Eucharist. How about you, Jesus? And I think that's kind of happening right now with uh, COVID. It's only the priest. Uh, giving handing out communion, the only thing is it's it has to be received in the hands. Um, but I, I would agree with Johnny. I think that's that's the first step you have to take, um, and I think from that initiative will will come. Well, maybe we should fix the way we're oriented, and then maybe we should fix the way uh, many of our churches, the way their the architecture is, mm-hmm. which is. I feel like in many cases, a lot of churches still have the 80s and 70s living room vibe. Um, so I think, uh, yeah, like uh, Johnny said, uh, only the, the priest and ordained to, to hand out communion and in one species. So only only the, the body of Christ and reserve the, the blood of Christ to the priest. Have you noticed that, that um, the blood of Christ... Um, that that uh, tradition is mainly in the United States. Yeah, you don't you don't see that in Latin American countries. You don't see that yeah. in the Philippines. You don't see that in African countries. Uh, I don't know if you see it in Europe because I'm not European. Uh, don't see things over there, but it's only an American thing uh, or a Canadian thing. Um, it, 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 you know, even even the um, when praying the Lord's Prayer and everybody's holding hands, um, maybe that's one of the positive things about COVID is no one's holding hands anymore. Um, but yeah. you know, when when we went to another country, we tried to hold hands and people looked at us funny. Says, "What are you doing?" You know, everybody had their their hands together in prayer, and then here we were Americans trying to hold everybody's hands and and they're looking yeah. at us like we're weird. We, we, I had a similar experience. It was in uh, uh, Lyon, France. I was, we, I went with a few, few friends from the Newman Club for, for a Marist event. Shout out to the Newman Club at Cal State. Um, <laughs> and we went to a daily mass at a, this beautiful church in, in Lyon, Lyon, France. And we were all dressed. It was early in the morning. We didn't get up and dress up. We were dressed like the way we woke up. And <laughs> I don't know why, but we were like, let's sit in the front. <laughs> let's sit in the front. The mass was in French. We didn't understand what was going on. And then when it came to our father, we were the only ones holding hands. <laughs> you can see the old ladies like, uh, what's wrong with these folks? Yeah. <laughs> Probably thinking, oh, Americans. I, yeah. I, I had a similar experience when the Philippines and, um, Decided to go early in the morning, and I'm wearing, you know, it's hot. I was wearing shorts and um, nice polo shirt and shorts. I go in, 
And the lady in the front did not let me in. I was inappropriately dressed. And I was like, okay. And then she was also the one who was putting shawls over the young ladies whose, whose、um, shoulders were exposed. They had paper、oh. shawls. And I was like, this is so weird. This is so weird.、Um, but, you know, it's, it's reverence.、Um, I had to, you know, for me, I had to, you know, standing out at the doorway. Uh, watching mass because I couldn't come in because I was wearing shorts. Yeah, and, and I just want to emphasize something. God, of course, accepts us as we are. Exactly. No matter what, we can be in the deepest sin, the only sin that Christ will not forget is you essentially not forgiving yourself because that basically falls on you. But God, Doesn't want that. He will forgive this, whatever the most grievous sin we've ever done, we will forgive. But when we're at Mass, we want to give Christ the best.、Yep. So、we want to dress our best. We don't want to dress just casually. You know, when people see you know, the president, we dress. Extremely well. You know, what more Christ? And the sad thing is, because a lot of Catholics, again, with this Pew research that I was telling you guys about, you don't even know Christ is there anymore.、Right. And it's really sad. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why. I won't get into it because it'll open up a whole other can of worms, but it's just really sad that we essentially took things from the Protestants and essentially put them in the mass. And we you know our you know, separated brethren do not believe in the Holy Eucharist,、yeah. they believe it as a symbol. And 50 years later, We wonder why no one believes in the. Well, I'm going to say no one, but, you know, only. I think it was 19%, if I remember. Only 19% of Catholics believe in the true presence. I mean, that's sad because that's, that's the most important part of our faith、mm-hmm. is the Eucharist. And I think,、uh, just to add on to that, the reason why there's a lack of, of, Faith and lack of belief in my aspect of that is that we've allowed everyone to receive communion in a state of sin, with, as you said, with all these extra、um, ministers of Holy Communion.、Um, it, it makes it faster, it makes it easier. And we've told people that, you know, go ahead. You know, the Eucharist is a healing, you know, it's there to heal. No, that's communion. That's, That's, that's reconciliation. Yeah.、Um, Although I, I'm going to add, all right, I'm going to add, it can heal your venial sins, but it, not、yes. your mortal sins. <laughs> but receiving the Eucharist in a state of mortal sin is wrong. It's bad for you. you know, in fact, if you. It'll make you sick. Yeah. <laughs> so、um, if you read、uh, 1 Corinthians. Chapter 11, I believe, it, Paul talks about how some 
are even dying yeah. for receiving. And in fact, it even says when you take the Eucharist in a state of mortal sin, that you're essentially, that you're basically re-crucifying Christ. Mm-hmm. That you're, you're, I'm trying to remember the exact word that scripture uses, but you're, you're putting condemnation upon yourself. And I think people, when, when young people see more people not receiving the Eucharist, because they are not yet in, in a state of grace, I think that's a great example of someone who says, I really believe. But when you allow people, you know, there's a thousand, you know, like like in my parish, you know, you could fill up a church and it's standing room only with 1,200 people. And when you went on Wednesday and when you went on Saturday, there must have been like 30 people who went to confession. And that's a lot. You know, in some right. parishes you see like eight people going to confession. But there's same thousands people. of people. And it's the same people. <laughs> it's the 19%. <laughs> Who's right. going to confession? And then but you see I, I, all these people who are desecrating the body of Christ. So that could also be another issue. Um, the availability of, of confession is not regularly practiced as much as, you know, you would see at a traditional parish like Guasti. Yeah. Uh, they have confession. And reg- during regular time, we have confession before every Mass. Yeah. Yeah. I remember Father Marx was in that in that confessional all day long. Yeah. I, all I day think, long. I think he, I, heard, I once heard that he, he had to do at least eight hours. Yeah. Eight hours every Sunday. Uh, yeah. yeah. That man was a yeah. saint. Um, it's funny because you know that he remembers you because even out, outside of the, the confession booth, um, he remembers you. He remembers your voice. <laughs> Because I was at Denny's, and he goes, "How have you been?" And I'm like, um, <laughs> that's, "That's awkward, awkward father." But I, I love the fact. I I love that you guys have fallen in love, and you guys are sharing um, the extraordinary form of the mass. Now, how are you guys um, sharing this information? How are you guys um, evangelizing people and sharing the wealth and the beauty? Of of extraordinary form. I mean, Jesus, just yourself. I mean, you go to a church um, that does not have the extraordinary form, that does not have the Latin Mass. You serve there, and then you go to Mass on Sunday at another parish. Uh, so, how how are you promoting, or how are you sharing? That hey, this is what we need to do. Are you sharing with your pastor? Are you sharing with 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 the people in your your community? Unfortunately, you have to really take it slow when it comes to situations like that. Uh, and when you try to approach, you know, your pastor or or any other priest about, you know, the the love that you have for the Latin Mass, because there's still people still perceive it a specific way. But um, I remember, I think it was 2019 or early 2020, we had a very solid. It, in a it, uh, group that was forming and it was just a natural group that just we just started hanging out and and we were we were motivated to 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 spread the latter mass throughout the diocese uh but things happened some of us got married some of us got engaged i think three or four of them joined the seminary <laughs> so 
so uh, that that as inspir- aspiration kind of died off. But you know, I think <clears throat> I think just uh, you know, for me and in current time, I, I'm just more focused right now since I'm engaged and I'm getting married this year. I'm, I'm more focused on 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 <clears throat> learning how to apply it with my relationship with my fiance. Because this this is is this is the, the the form that I want to raise my kids with, so uh, it's been a it's been a journey and and uh, it's been beautiful to 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 have my fiance there uh, attending mass with me and, and both loving the Latin mass. But uh, yeah, whenever I can, I, I serve and 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 uh, in, in any way that I can help there at Guasti, I help as much as possible. Awesome. How about you, Johnny? Yeah. Hey, any of you altar servers over there? I, I learned I learned how to serve because uh, my friend Carlos, who I met at the Newman Club, uh, he he that was one of the ways he he would uh, convince guys to come over. He's like, "Yeah, man, if you if you start learning how to serve, you'll you'll understand the mass more." <laughs> <laughs> so he kind of he's a good person. He he'll convince you to do something really quickly, and he he uh, you know he he. Uh, he convinced me, and I learned how to serve. And this is when my fiance was uh, still in school in San Diego, so that's why, you know, I, I decided to learn. Yeah, I, I love that. And, you know, it's a, the crossing, the genuflect right before every single time. And um, when I bring the altar servers there, and it's like, see, watch them. Yeah. That's how you're supposed to be it, behaving. It's such an honor. It's it's such an honor. I. I you know, Guasti is a small church, but when you're so close to to Christ and so when you're serving there, everything looks so tall and, and uh, magnificent. Yeah. It's just a, a humbling experience to to serve at the altar, especially yeah. for Atlanta Mass. And the altar tells a story. It's it's one of the only churches that still has on the steps Sanctus, 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 the three steps right before the holier holiest of holies, which is a tabernacle. And so I, I love the fact that at that church, you can just go there, sit there, and and teach someone the whole story. Yeah. Um, so I think that's what's missing in, in the buildings of our churches now. It's bland. It's bare. It's um, it's kind of like when you go to like your um, to it's like a model home. Yeah, it looks pretty. But yeah. there's no family pictures. There's no family history. It doesn't no, smell. It doesn't smell like uh, the food that um, that your mom makes. Yeah. And if, when you go to Sense Condi, it always smells like incense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does. You go in yeah. there. Is there just someone just incense in here? Um, <laughs> so th- that's how I compare it to. It's almost coming home every single time. Definitely. So. So you guys, as we end this program, as we end the show, what else do you want to tell our listeners about the Extraordinary Forum, about your experience, or how do you invite them, and where do they go? Because a lot of times it's like, well, where is it? Where do, where do we go? <laughs> All right. Um, I, the only thing I'd like to know is if you go one time, uh, make sure that's not your only time. Uh, my fiance, the first time, her first experience, she was very upset at me because she did not understand anything. And it was my fault too because I didn't really explain to her 
uh, or briefed her a little bit of what was going on. Um, so give it at least three times. And I would say the low mass is beautiful, but I would say try to go to a high mass first. Um, and that's usually done on special feast days and you would have to look at the specific church. But right now, currently, the only churches offering the Latin Mass in our diocese is San Secundo di Asti in Ontario or Guasti mm-hmm. and um, Sacred Heart in Palm, Palm Springs. Yeah, Palm Desert. They have one Mass. and uh, Yeah, Palm Desert. And because of the current situations, it's kind of all, all over the place. But right now, since the Latin Mass in Guasti always has a high attendance, there's three Masses. So there you have an 8.30 a.m., a 10.30 a.m., or 2.30 p.m. that you could attend. And these are going to be low masses, but I think it's still still worth uh, attending. And, and like I said, don't let your first experience, uh, you know, don't let that be your only time you go. Make sure you go back a third time. Yeah, and be prepared to enjoy the humility of kneeling. Yes. Yes. Make sure you bring an yeah. If if it's outside, make sure you bring something to enforce your knees. <laughs> yeah. As you said, um, yeah. Go. I recommend going to high mass. Unfortunately, due to the pandemic, you know, we we don't have the you know the liberty. Unfortunately, to do a beautiful high mass. Nevertheless, you know, we do encourage people to go. Um, go multiple times it will take a little bit to get used to i recommend getting the little red books well actually i don't even know if wasti is doing that right now because of the pandemic but you can buy them online they're like gosh like five or six bucks once after you get used to that then you can graduate to get a missile you'll see tons of peoples with missiles um that that basically has the whole liturgy for the whole year and everything you need to know. Um, but yeah, just soak it all in. I mean, you will be overwhelmed. But that overwhelming, it's actually going to captivate you. The more, and the more you learn of what each thing does. Like I just mentioned earlier, you know, what the, index in the the thumb the priest turns around five times because that's the five times that our Lord uh, presented himself after the resurrection Uh, the priest does uh, a total of 33 causes throughout the whole mass Um, there's just so much symbolism that is done that you know it'll take a whole nother show (laughs) couple other shows in fact but it's the beauty of our faith in all its fullness being presented in one single mass and it's i mean i'm truly in love with the mass again yeah and and i i honestly want to share that experience with with everyone because it's this you you the best thing this side of heaven. Amen. I, I love how you ended that. <clears throat> and we're going to end it that. We're going to have to end it. 
with that. It's the best thing this side of heaven. Um, there's a lot of symbolism. All those things that you just shared five times turns around. You know, the mass tells tells us and reveals to us what occurred, and we relive it. And it's beauty when you understand what's going on up there. For me, what I love about the traditional Mass, the extraordinary form of the Mass, is the fact that I'm humbled to be present. Um, so quiet for me. Uh, it's, it's, it's an opportunity truly to worship. Not for me to be worshipped by my God, but for me to worship my God. You know, I want to thank you guys. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Johnny, for for sharing with us. You know, your your love of the Mass, your love of the extraordinary form of the Mass, and for sharing with our listeners all the things and and why the reasons why you love it so much and why you reverted to it. Um, which does not take away from the ordinary form. I just think that in this way, what can come back together to that ordinary form is rereading what Vatican II said. Amen. And reconciling it so that we can bring back what what is truly beautiful about the holy sacrifice of the mass. You know, that word isn't even used anymore. <laughs> yeah. The sacrifice well, of the mass. Uh, quick little, little testimony that you, so one thing that I found, and I think Jesus kind of alluded to it earlier, that it, it enriches your, 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 your passion for the mass, even if it's the ordinary form. Um, cause you just have such a deeper understanding, a deeper appreciation. In fact, I've seen this with priests. You know, I mentioned my brother-in-law, he's a priest. He just learned the extraordinary form and now it's rubbing off on him on the ordinary form. He's doing some things that are done in the extraordinary. He's doing it in the ordinary now. I know another priest friend. In fact, I know a couple of priest friends that. You're not saying Father Alex, are you? Oh, Father <laughs> Alex. He did our wedding, in fact. <laughs> Father Alex, no, but there's also Father Tim Grumbach. He he's out in Santa Monica. I mean, sorry. Well, he's from Santa Monica, but he's in in Culver City. Mm-hmm. Uh, wonderful priest. Um, uh, it's also uh, Father Tyler Tripp. Father Tyler Tripp. Uh, you know, uh, my my brother-in-law's Father Gino. Yeah. Um, so you, know, you got all these really young priests um, learning the extraordinary form, and it's really, how can I put it? Um, So if you're a priest out there, it really, almost you fall in love, just like the lady, you too fall in love with the mass. I mean, it does something to your soul that that, that you you do translate that. And I think that's why Pope Benedict in 2007, you know, made his, you know, his famous horse for some infamous, (laughs) you know, Samarum Pontificum. Am I saying that right? Right? Yeah. Okay. Um, Morte proprio. Samarum yeah. Pontificum. Because he wanted that. We needed that. We need that. 
so that we can enrich the ordinary form. All this is meant to enrich our fervor for Christ. Mm-hmm. It's not meant to divide us. It's not meant to, you know, put us at odds. It's, it's meant to, to, in fact, unite us, really, I would say. Um, so, yeah, I, I mm-hmm. want to encourage people to check it out and take it back with you to your ordinary parish, yeah. you know, to your local parish. We definitely have the hope because we have a lot of young priests out there who are finding this out, who are falling in love, who are introducing it to their laity and their their regular parishes, and people are, are finding out. So this is a good thing. This is a good yeah. thing. So again, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Johnny. That's all we have for you, fam, for this episode of This Connected, as usual, we pray this connected. I want to thank you guys for sharing with us um, information about the extraordinary form. I think there's more information out there. We encourage you guys to seek it out, to find out what Vatican II actually said, and to find out and experience, as they, as Jesus and Johnny said, the high mass. Um, I'm more of a low mass goer. Uh, I don't like people. Uh, don't know why I do this podcast, but just saying, just kidding. So um, if this podcast connected, please send us your comments uh, to our email, catholic.dad50 at gmail.com, or DM us on our podcast Instagram, uh, on our Instagram podcast, which is at catholic.dad or this connected. Please subscribe to the podcast on any of the many podcast platforms out there. Uh, you can also check us out on YouTube on This Connected, and you can see our beautiful faces. You get to see what Jesus looks like and what Johnny looks like and how awkward we are when we're when we're trying to do a podcast. Um, also, give us a review. It helps in the algorithms to get our content to other peoples. And yes, don't forget to donate to support this podcast. 100% of our funds go to supporting needy youth groups out there to um, build up the, the strength in their faith. So just go to our bio on Instagram. There are links there on um, how to support the podcast. Also, remember, friends, as we always say, live a life of holiness. We'll be praying for you. Please pray for us, and most importantly, be blessed and be third. And here's our going away music. This is Paosia, Diego and Elizabeth. Drown out the noise. Connected Podcast is brought to you by The Cabin. Want to get away and get some peace and quiet and rest? Yes, rest, but not too far away from home or the city? Want to experience a true log cabin feel in the mountains? Well, I have the recommendation for you. The Cabin is a two-bedroom, one-and-a-half bath that will do just that. With a beautiful wood fireplace lit and a glass of wine, you are sure 
to relax. With easy access from the main highway, private parking, easy access with stairs to the entrance, fast Wi-Fi, a full-size kitchen, and all the essential amenities will make your stay a memorable experience. This cozy log cabin was built in the early 60s with its original wood fireplace and a newly transformed deck with beautiful views of the San Bernardino Mountains. So, book your stay at the cabin in Running Springs, California. The cabin, located in the San Bernardino Mountains, is a beautiful place to see the beauty of God's creation. I have known the proprietor of the cabin for many years. She has always supported the youth and young adult ministries of her community, as well as this podcast. Check out The Cabin on Instagram at thecabin2021. Again, that's at thecabin2021, T-H-E-C-A-B-I-N 2021. 